1: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the
2: family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
1: Good afternoon. You're listening to Gambling with an Edge. Now here are your hosts, Bob Dancer and Richard Munchkin. Good afternoon. Welcome to Gambling with an Edge. I'm Bob Dancer.
0: And I'm Richard Munchkin.
1: Today, our guest is Alex Kane, founder of Sport Trade, which is a sports betting exchange. So we're going to hear all about what a sports betting exchange is and how that's different from the normal way we're betting sports. Um, Alex Kane,
2: welcome to Gambling with an Edge. Thanks so much for having me.
1: All right. So before we get into sport trade in particular, what is your history in gambling and sports betting?
2: My history is quite short. I started sports betting in 2019 and I was a big fan of Captain Jack and all of his work pre-unabated. And I learned that you could make a lot of money as a side hustle, arbitraging all the sign up bonuses. So I spent a few years in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and a plethora of other states arbitraging sign-up bonuses. And it was through that that I I really did learn about the traditional sports betting model um, and made some nice money as a hobby on the side.
0: Wow. Now that seems like quite a trajectory to go from there to starting up a company. So what's your background?
2: My background by education is uh, business law and finance. And I attended Drexel University. I graduated there in 2017. And it was at Drexel that I the the kind of impetus for the idea came about because I someone put Robinhood in my hand, which was, of course, one of the first real discount brokerages that had, you know, zero commission stock trading on a mobile platform where you could actually create an account digitally. And I think I was one of the, you know, the many early adopters of that platform. And I saw just how many other students in the finance program really adopted the mentality of instead of investing for the longer term, using a mobile app like Robinhood to always be connected to the markets and trade in the shorter term. And when I someone showed me how sports betting worked at that time, I thought there was going to be a huge opportunity to kind of combine those two worlds and create a, a whole new activity more that... More like trading sports as opposed to betting sports. So that was my background, and that's how I kind of started the idea. And then just after college, I embarked on this uh, uh, crazy idea to try to start a business in a very regulated industry.
0: Yeah, I'm just like astonished because I I would think if if you had tried that in Nevada, you might still be trying to wade through all the p- paperwork. And in 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 actu- in actuality, maybe you still are. I don't know. I, I I know you want to spread this idea across the country but have you tried to get into Nevada yet?
2: Uh we have not.
0: Okay. Not yet. So all right, so I guess we should start with for cuz many of our listeners listeners are into other forms of gambling. Let's start with the difference between what is a betting exchange versus a bookmaker.
2: Sure. Um, in in the bookmaker model obviously it's the book versus the player the book provides the prices um, and the the player can bet at those prices or or not. A betting exchange is one where the players also have the opportunity to play the bookmaker in a sense the player has the ability to offer a certain price uh, to the market and that that can be matched in in more of a peer-to-peer manner that if I, you know if i like the bills um but i don't want to pay minus 400 and i want to pay minus 380 and maybe you like the chicago bears at plus 380 there's maybe a trade there there's a bet um sport trade is is a betting exchange uh at its core but i think what makes us so unique and exciting is uh it really is built more like a stock market. So, so to take that exact same ex- example, the, the bills versus the bears, I'm looking at the unabated screen here, and I see that you could buy the bills at $78.50 per share on sports trade, or you could buy the bears at $22.50 per share. And whereas it's the same underlying infrastructure, it's an exchange, we've made it look and feel like predicted or Calci, or really Robinhood, where you're like, instead of placing your bet of the bills at minus 400 and waiting to the end of the game, you're buying in at 78.50 per share, knowing that if the bills win, it settles at $100 per share. And if it loses, it settles at $0 per share. And that 78.50 dollars is simply the implied probability of the market. Um, so that's, that's a bit about how sport trade is different. And it kind of goes into the type of customer we hope to bring in into the industry.
0: So there was...
2: So you can
1: sell it... Go ahead. So every touchdown, either way, the price changes, or every field goal, or every first down, the price, or it moves up and down. And if you want to get out of it in three minutes, you can. Um, and sometimes that's probably the smart thing to do. Precisely. Um, so... And you... and. Ford trade makes their money by taking a small bite out of each each bet, either side, presumably.
2: Yep. So, if let's take that Bears example, um, they're trading twenty two fifty per share right now to beat the Bills. Um, you buy ten shares for twenty two fifty. That's a cost of two hundred twenty five. They go to thirty two fifty because they go down the field and they score a touchdown. Now you're up $100 because you can sell the shares that you bought for $22.50 for $32.50, meaning the market thinks that now there's a 32.5% chance of the Bears to win. And you sell and you make $10 a share times your 10 shares is $100. And Sport Trade takes 2% of your profit. So Sport Trade will take two and you keep 98. That is how Sport Trade earns a commission.
0: So Sport Trade is only raking the winner, not the loser. Correct. Now um, there, there you have competition in Betfair. They were mm-hmm. the first. Um, they notoriously take huge premiums from guys who are consistent winners. Um, mm-hmm. Do you uh, have any kind of fee structure like that? I mean, are we you... do not. Good. I'm glad to hear that.
2: <laughs> we, we we do not. And, and there are certainly customers that are, even on our platform now, are, are winning customers. And there's obviously customers that are not winning customers. That is the essence of any exchange, not just a sports betting exchange. Um, I think, I think in, in Betfair's case, you know, customers, anyone is allowed to trade algorithmically with an API. Meaning they don't have to use a mobile phone or a website to point and click that they can create a model that tries to pick off pricing. And I think what Betfair unfortunately had to do is because it had so many participants that instead of adding liquidity to the market, or instead just simply waiting algorithmically for market makers to make a mistake, that Betfair had this really interesting, tough market microstructure problem. Which is they had a lot of participants that simply used algorithmic means to place bets, and that those algorithmic means made it harder for market makers to provide liquidity, which then forced market makers to have poorer quality of markets, which then hurt the bet fair recreational customer because now they don't no longer have the promise of having the best prices. So they have the, every exchange has these very interesting market microstructure. Problems because you have so many different types of consumers in your ecosystem with different priorities and initiatives. And of course, that is the way they went about it. Um, we don't have that problem mainly because in the United States, regulators have not approved for retail customers, recreational customers to be able to place bets algorithmically yet. And I think it's a geolocation challenge. And I think there's a responsible gaming aspect to that as well. So we're, we're lucky in that we don't have to kind of answer that market microstructure conundrum this early in our in our life cycle
1: by algorithm rhythmically you mean using bots using computers to bet for you automatically yes and, and so right now that's not allowed but how can you stop it
2: so it it's um it's not a it's when I say, yeah, when algorithmically, like on Betfair, you could create a model uh, that doesn't have to interface with any sort of user interface. Um, it can simply hit the endpoints of Betfair's exchange and place orders algorithmically and do do so very quickly. Um, in the United States, that sort of uh, structure has not yet been approved. We do have market makers, and these are licensed entities that go through the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement licensing process. And they do have a server that is sitting 25 feet from our server. And that's how the DG kind of solves the geolocation aspect. But they're much less customers than they are service providers to us, the exchange, because they have signed agreements with us to say, okay, for that Bill's Bears game, we have to have a quote. And it has to be no wider than this many dollars. And it has to have uh, no less depth than this many dollars on both sides in the market. And so market makers are kind of that critical piece of the ecosystem that we have. And they're the only participants in our ecosystem that can do so algorithmically, but they have that right and that privilege because they've earned it through going through the licensing process with the regulator.
0: Can I, as an individual, put up a price on something that you don't have a market for yet? So uh,
2: what would an example of that be?
0: Um. Uh, now I, I haven't been able to look at what markets you have because it's only in New Jersey. Right. So, but Mm -hmm. for example, let's say I want to bet that the bears are going to end up with a better record than the lions, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, is there a price on that? And if not, can I just say, Hey, I want to put up a price on this or I, or I want to take a price. Will somebody else, will one of your liquidity providers put up a price?
2: Yeah, so um, not yet. Right now, we we as the exchange, like think of us like NASDAQ, we, we, um, we decide like what shares can be traded, right? So like NASDAQ will say like, oh, we're gonna list Apple today. And that's the end of like NASDAQ's job, really. And then the market makers come in at, you know, when the exchange opens, you know, exchanges can open at different times. Well, let's say 9.30 a.m. Some exchanges open as late as 9.30 a.m. And those market makers now have to quote Apple. So to take this example, like today, if I go on unabated, um, for that Bears-Bills game, we listed uh, Bears plus eight and a half, Bills minus eight and a half. And within about 10 seconds of our exchange opening at nine in the morning, the market makers had to quote a two-sided price. Now, if you're asking, well, what if I wanted to say, well, I want Bills minus seven and a half, uh, what we you could do is you could reach out to us and then we would list that in a very kind of one-off manner and then the market makers would quote that instrument. Um, that's how it works. Uh, currently. Okay.
0: So, so currently there aren't like, uh, I, I don't, again, I, I may not have the right term, but like in baseball, it'd be alternative run lines. Like, so, so do, does the market have plus eight and a half plus seven and a half plus six and a half, all of the prices or, or, you'd have to ask for that. Kind of like a teaser, I guess, if I wanted to go. Yeah.
2: So what we do is we, actually we're thinking about, and I would love to get your feedback on this. Is I, I I can anticipate maybe what the feedback will be, but essentially what we do right now is, we take the strike, we call them a strike, but we, we take the outcome that is closest to 50-50. So for example, at eight in the morning this morning, Bears plus eight and a half, Bills minus eight and a half was the closest to 50-50. And we'll list that strike, kind of like an options chain. But then we'll take seven points each way and we'll list Bears plus one and a half, Bills minus one and a half, and Bears plus 15 and a half, and Bills minus 15 and a half. And then as the game starts, and it starts to be a blowout one way or the other, we'll start to display the next strike that's seven points further down the road. So you end up with these alternative strikes where you have a pretty wide gap. You have like the 50-50, you have like the 75-25, and you have the 25-75. And we do that for spreads and totals, and obviously we just list the money line. What we are thinking of doing, which is very much bucks the trend with what uh, sports books do, is instead of trying to always list the 50-50 line, to almost say we're moving on from that, And for every single NFL game, simply listing home team, uh, you know, plus 14 and a half, plus 10 and a half, plus seven and a half, plus three and a half, the money line, minus three and a half, minus seven and a half, minus 10 and a half, minus 14 and a half. So you basically say, well, these are the kind of the key numbers. And for every single football game forever and ever and ever, we are simply going to list those seven strikes. Even if the team is plus nine, we won't have the plus nine strike. We'll have plus 10 and a half and plus seven and a half. And it really does buck the trend of like, well, people want to bet on the 50-50 thing and kind of forces people to think of like, well, all of these just simply have a probability of hitting. The 10.5 number has a probability and that should equal its share price. And the 7.5 has a probability and that should equal its share price. And it kind of forces people to get out of the, well, what is the line? Well, it's 7, it's 7.5. Well, we list a crap ton of lines and each of those just simply have a share price. It's a very different way of thinking about it, but we're thinking about doing that because it would create some sort of consistency in our system. And every single game, you could bet on the exact same thing. But I know traditional bettors may say, no, you have to have the exact 50-50 line at every moment.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, people, uh, recreational bettors want to bet on long shots. So, you know, I would think that... um, that they would like that idea that they can, you know, get a huge price on a, on an alternative line. So for the recreational better, um, what is the average hold using mm-hmm. this exchange versus a bookmaker?
2: So our hold this month, and I just checked is exactly 1%.
0: So way better than a bookmaker.
2: And that includes the market maker return. Because the market maker is, their profit or loss is is exactly inverse to the profit or loss of the customer. And in in the U.S., the revenue is equal to customer's loss. So that's even inclusive of the spread that you're typically paying. And it's, you know, so the spreads are very tight on the platform, um, which is great. Um, we just added American odds. So folks can kind of see that like, what is 50? Oh, it's minus one Oh two, including commission. Oh, this market's minus one Oh two minus one Oh four. Wow. That's really good. Um, so it's, it's a very, it's a very tight spread spread. And to your point, it's the spreads, the money lines, the totals. And then we also do divisional conference and season long futures. And those have been a ton of fun because people are trading. That is our most popular product. People are, Going in play and while the game's happening, they're buying and selling the probability of, you know, the Miami Dolphins to win the AFC East. And that's been probably our our most successful Successful. Do you have
0: other prop bets? I mean, um, like, I don't know, player versus player or, uh, you know. No safety? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Not yet, but I would love to, you know, continue to gather feedback like from you all in, in terms of what you would like to see we will have player props at some point. We're working on like where to prioritize that in our roadmap. We are a startup and, you know, we're trying to prove adoption and, and grow into other states. And like, there's always just this endless list of what we want to do. But we've been speaking with our market makers and we think we would have like an extremely compelling, um, for example, anytime touchdown score or market. I mean, think about how fun that would be. So you have Jalen Hurts anytime touchdown score. You could buy yes shares at, you know, 35 and you could buy no shares at 66. So you buy no shares at 66 and it's in the third quarter and he still hasn't scored a touchdown. And now the no shares are trading 90 and you sell. And now you're like, you know what? I'm going to buy a yes share at 10 now because I think (laughs) somehow he's going to score a touchdown in the fourth quarter. These are the sort of player props you want to do quarterback passing yards or quarterback passing yards head to head, or for something like the NBA top point scorer on a specific game, double, double, yes, no, um, total points. You probably can't do like points, rebounds, assists points, rebounds, assists, three pointers. The more bespoke you get what I found, and I'm not sure if you guys agree, but you end up getting just a lower quality product from the bookmaker That the more, the more exotic, the bet type, the higher, the hold, the less likely there's a cash out option. The more likely when the game starts, the betting option goes away and you lose your ability to manage your risk on that position. Um, so we we're trying to design player props in a way that like we want it to be available like the last you know drive of the game like oh my gosh Jalen Hurts he's down to two dollars to be an anytime touchdown scorer because they have to score they don't have any timeouts and uh, there's not a lot of time left so it's very unlikely he's going to run into the end zone for a touchdown we want to try to introduce like that level of engagement for for those most you know more exotic products but it's difficult because we're like We want to launch our Android app, and we want to launch in other states, and it's you know prioritizing that can be difficult.
0: Can you talk about who your uh, liquidity providers are?
2: Sure. Um, There is one uh, that is public, um, and they are on our uh, press release from our last fundraising round. Um, They're they're called Delavan Lake Trading, and they were from the uh, old. World Sports Exchange days, and they used that platform, and they became specialists in in-play betting, and then they moved over into high-frequency trading, and they became some of the world's largest market makers. And instead of betting on, you know, the bears, they were betting on the price of Oracle on the U.S. stock exchange, or the price of oil on the commodities exchange, or the price of a Korean dollar on the, you know, uh, you know, uh, options exchange. And so they applied all this sports betting knowledge to then learn a ton about like market microstructure and, you know, oh, how do we provide tight markets? And what does it mean if we got this fill at this time? And, you know, it's much like a bookmaker. Like if you get, you know, a big bet that comes in on the money line, what does that mean for your derivative markets, your first quarter markets, your first half markets, your second half markets, what does it mean for the total? What does it mean for player props and vice versa? And, and now since sports betting has become legal, We've teamed up with them. They're an investor in our business. This is our, our key biggest market maker. And, uh, and, and their goal is to create, you know, what they did in the stock market. They want to have spreads come way down. They, you know, we have no delays on our platform, even in play, the liquidity is, is good. Um, and I think it will improve, but you can get three, four $5,000 in play on almost anything. Um, and, and that's their goal. And so, um, they're sports betting experts, they're financial trading experts, and they're kind of combining those two things to try to deliver a, a great customer experience.
0: It's funny because, um, you know, really successful uh, gamblers go from gambling to the markets, which is just gambling in a much bigger casino. This seems like a step backward for them. I, I would think mm-hmm. this would be the market is tiny compared to what they can do in the. You know financial markets.
2: Yeah, I don't want to speak for them, but I think it's it's their passion. Ah, um,
0: uh,
2: yeah, to be in sports, and and, and th- I mean it, it's so much more fun to figure out like, well, what? Okay, why did the share price like I was willing to buy the Eagles at forty five to for the money line, and they're playing the Cowboys, and I'll I'll pull up their price here. And now there's a ton of buyers of the Cowboys at fifty five. What does that mean? And of course, injury news can leak before it's official. And you know our market makers are the first to kind of engage in that price discovery because we don't profile customers. Um, customers all get the exact same limits and you can see exactly what your limit is before you place the bet. And there's no delays whatsoever. Um, and so we had a ton of customers come in and short and buy no essentially on the Eagles to win the Super Bowl, the Eagles to win the NFC East, the Eagles to win the NFC Championship. The Eagles to, win the cow- to beat the Cowboys, the Eagles to cover against the Cowboys. So it's just so much more fun of like that sort of price discovery versus like, oh, why is a Euro dollar up 2% today? It's just like not as fun, you
0: know? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Now, we've had Ed Miller and Matt Davidow on our show, their book, Logic of Sports Betting. Mm-hmm. They are supposed to be some of the best at figuring out what the in-game odds should be. Um, I think they work behind the scenes with Captain Jack and a few others. Mm -hmm. Do they work with you? Or if not, how is what you do different than what they do?
2: Uh, We don't work with them yet. Um, They would be, uh, where would they fit in the ecosystem? They would be like a a market maker. And so they would be, you know, providing two-sided markets. I think... uh, one of the things that's so great about Deck Prism, and I and they, I know they work with Circa in the U.S., is that they also want to create a zero delay in play betting experience for customers. Um, now they have a certain opinion around um, the value of the game state data provided by Bet Genius and SportRadar and others, and and thus have opted to you know find alternative sources of of that game state data which gives them a high degree of confidence of the game state during dead ball moments, during a timeout, during a TV timeout, during an injury uh, halftime, quarter time, et cetera, but maybe less confident in what's going on in the field when the ball is moving. And I think the difference, you know, of, of that versus what you will get on sport trade and what the market makers are doing on our venue is that they have found a way to be, have a quote there when the ball is flying through the air even at the risk of there being a court cider at the game. And that's where that market microstructure expertise of being in the financial markets of, "ooh, I just got this fill at this time. I have no idea who the counterparty is, but what does this tell me about perhaps what's happening on the field and how should I adjust accordingly, knowing that I've promised a sport trade that I have to have a quote in the market at a very high uptime. And so there's a bit of a, maybe a difference of opinion there around are customers interested in betting when the ball is moving versus not? And I think in this day and age of streaming and cutting the cord and blackout restrictions and so on and so forth, it's very likely that if you're a sports bettor, you're probably not even watching live the game that you're betting on. Either you're a Sixers fan that lives in New York and you have no way to watch the Sixers, or you're simply opening FanDuel, DraftKings, SportTrade, whatever. And you like a price because it says the score is 13-13 with two minutes left in the fourth quarter and you want to place the bet and you don't have time to turn your TV on to see what's going on in the field. And so it's that obfuscation to the customer that maybe lends itself to an approach of like, well, maybe the customer doesn't really know when the ball's dead and when the ball's not dead. And maybe they don't really have the time to figure out or care. They just want to get their bet down. And so what we've tried to do is really push the envelope and trying to create a super high uptime, like, hey, let's figure out how to get markets up there when the ball is moving, which introduces a lot of risk. And who knows if that's the right approach. But I think there's maybe a, a slight difference in opinion as to whether that's a viable strategy. Um, I certainly would welcome them. And I keep in touch with Matt all the time. Um, if they wanted to become a market maker on our venue, I think it would be a, a perhaps a profitable endeavor for them.
0: Where are your liquidity providers getting data that is so fast, or, or you, you said they're not worried about courtsiders, um, how, how are they getting their data ahead of everybody else?
2: So it's, it is on the same level playing field of, of what I would assume other bigger operators get it. So uh, we partner with Bet Genius and with SportRadar. We ingest the feed. Um, and then we create a uh, sort of like a application that passes that data in the same sequence it was pa- uh, given to us from Sport Radar to the market makers. So they're getting the data as little as probably one to one and a half seconds after the event has happened on the field. Now that those data feeds can sometimes be unreliable, but they're generally pretty good. So now it leaves you with that one to one and a half second gap of if someone's a court sider, and they're very, very wise, and they've paid the $300 to get into the stadium and the $25 for parking and maybe the $15 for a beer and a hot dog, and they somehow have 5G network, and they have two phones open, and the weather in the stadium is such that the phones aren't going to die because it's too <laughs> cold, and they, and they have the buy on this side the sell on this side, and they're so good and they're so deaf that in a second and a half, they're not going to make a mistake. I think that's a risk we're willing to take because what do you get back on the other side by getting rid of the delays and having way higher up time? No, you I, get an experience where the customer is like, this is great. I didn't get that spinny wheel. And wow, the second I press place order, I have my bet down.
0: And, and I think you're exactly right. This is the mistake that casinos make with card counters, like your analogy of... The weather has to be perfect and the 5G and two phones. I mean, that's the equivalent of the card counter compared to 99.9% of the rest of the casino's customers. Um, So I think, you know, the casino would be better off not worrying so much about it. I want to ask you, what sports, what, yeah, what sports do you cover and are there any things that, Legally, you would be allowed to put a market up for that you haven't got to yet.
2: Yes, there's plenty. of Great.
1: Alex, we're going to let you answer that question right after our commercial break. <laughs> okay. So anyone who wants to hear the answer to that question, please stick around.
2: No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: The South Point has more than 10,000 games returning more than 99%. This is more than any such game than anyone else has. This will be our last commercial for the South Point. They've been our sponsor since day one, some 12 years ago, and we thank them very much. They have decided to spend their advertising dollars in a different direction. I remain very appreciative for... Of my relationships there. In addition to sponsoring this program, they sponsored video poker classes for a long time. Still a good place to play slots in video poker, and Bonnie and I will remain customers there for as long as we're welcome. Thank you, Michael Gaughan.
0: If you're serious about card counting, the Blackjack Apprenticeship membership is a great way to learn, train, network, and get the resources you need to succeed. We've had quite a few guests on Gambling with an Edge who exclusively trained and got their start through Blackjack Apprenticeship. Check out their website at blackjackapprenticeship.com. They have member forums, training software, and guides that help you learn. So that's blackjackapprenticeship.com, and you will find a link in the show notes.
1: Videopoker.com is the best place to play lots of games. If you sign up for the gold membership, $8.95 a month or $79.95 a year, this allows you to get correction on most of the game. Game of the week is Hot Roll Poker. This is a 10 coins per line game where one time in six you get a multiplier. The value of the multiplier is determined by a pair of virtual dice which roll fairly. If the dice rolled a 2 and a 5, for example, you receive 7x for the hand. The multiplier sometimes comes on the deal, sometimes on the draw, not both. There are no strategy variations for this game compared to the base game. And the hot roll feature is even money, meaning the dice roll adds no expected value, but it does add variance. And another name for variance, of course, is excitement.
0: If you're interested in getting an edge at sports betting, then Unabated.com is a great resource for you. Founded by frequent gambling with an edge guests, Captain Jack and Rufus Peabody, Unabated.com is designed for both new and experienced sports bettors. Their real-time odd screen tools and calculators take a lot of the guesswork out of trying to quantify your edge. There's also plenty of free education and instruction to help you along your journey to becoming a sharper sports better. You can currently take advantage of a seven-day free trial to decide if the premium membership at unabated.com is right for you. Okay. Now before I was so rudely interrupted by Bob, (laughs) I was asking Mm. what do you, what sports do you cover and what, are you not covering yet that, that you are legally allowed to?
2: So right now we cover, uh, all the main sports here in the U S we cover, uh, college basketball, NBA, college football, NFL, uh, MLB, NBA, uh, WNBA, uh, sorry, NHL. I should have said not NBA, WNBA. Um, we now do UFC as well. Um, I think we want to do more in the sports we have. I think we like player props could be very interesting. And I think, you know, the market makers could support them. Maybe not as liquid. You won't be able to get $3,000 down in play in a player prop, but you could probably get 500. Um, and then there's other sports we'd like to do. You know, we have a good golf product. I think it could be a great golf product. There are issues with getting the the game state data feed for golf specifically. Uh, tennis can be of interest Uh, tennis is a great sport because the prices move there's such a momentum game there um those are the things you'd be allowed NASCAR as well um I think one of our market makers is is quite an auto racing fan so NASCAR F1 and IndyCar I I think NASCAR could be interesting like you're watching the Daytona 500 and you're down to like the last 10 laps and some cars are low on gas (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah yeah,
2: and and you have you have someone like chris busher you know Well, chris busher is a great super speedway racer you could have a justin haley by the way he's someone i think is going to win a super speedway race on the cup series next year um has won a bunch on on the xfinity series you know he's trading a dollar before the race he's now at 15 because if he's like finds the right train you know he could get catapulted to the lead i think nascar is another great example i think they partnered with Sport Radar, I think. no, we're currently partnered with Bet Genius. I think they just switched over to Sport Radar uh, for um, for the official game state data feed. If I'm not in, incorrect, um, yeah, we'd love to do that as well. I think that could be a really fun trading trading game for four hours.
0: Now, are you legally allowed to put up markets for things like uh, politics or who's going to win the Oscars or things like that?
2: We are, we are not. That falls under the CFTC, CFTC domain. There's a, a company called CalShi who's uh, tr- pushed really hard to allow political event contracts or event markets. Currently, you can do that on PredictIt. A lot of our no, no, customers but predicted are like- PredictIt, hey, I thought,
0: it was closing.
2: Yes. PredictIt closes, I think, in February. Um, so I certainly got my last, last dip uh, in November. Well, I lost so- my $100 or whatever. <laughs> Uh, betting on, you know, state races across the United States, which is just a blast. Um, I, I I don't know. I think there's something really interesting about politics because unlike sports, it's very much like if we listed, um, teams to make the, uh, college football playoff and there was, you know, hearsay around what the fourth team would have been. There's some years where that's the case. Because it's not like objective anymore. It's not like, well, Jalen Hurts is out and he's worth four points. So, you know, the probability of, you know, the Phillies, uh, the Eagles to win has gone from 45 to 32. Um, it's like, well, who, who, who's going to, who, uh, there's nothing objective about it. What is this committee going to choose? And I think that's the same thing that politics has that makes it trade more like an equity where you could have this very natural kind of reverberation in the market and going back and forth, not really based on, on anything fundamental. Um, And and we would love to list politics, but it is under CFTC jurisdiction in the U.S., which is a very separate regime that's more of a federal regime than the state-sanctioned gambling uh, regimes.
1: Not so long ago in tennis, there were uh, at the stadium people Mm -hmm. watching and sending signals back to somewhere. And it affected Betfair and some of the others within stream betting, and it was a big scandal. And people went to jail, and all kinds of bad things happened. Are can that happen with you? And uh, what are you doing about it?
2: Yes, I'm going to make a perhaps controversial statement, which I don't think is is controversial. I think that just like in capital markets, you know, you have this concept of insider trading. And insider trading is someone gets an unfair advantage because they get access to information that is not readily available to others. And insider trading is is terrible and it's illegal and it should be. So and while whereas sports betting doesn't have that same structure yet, you know if you're the cousin of LeBron James trainer and you know that he's not going to play the game and you act on that information, you know that's perhaps not fair. However. Court siding, I think, is should be welcomed and encouraged by the leagues because the sports leagues make the most amount of money from people watching their sport. People are more likely to watch the sport if they've placed a bet on the sport. We know that betting is trending in play from looking at Europe and even here in the US. People want to place bets in play. If you have a structure where if you're a league, you are selling the right to capture that data to one participant, Sport, Radar, Bet Genius, whatever, and thus creating a monopoly, that company has no incentive to give you, the bookmaker, the data on the fastest possible stream. And thus, it creates an opportunity where you have a participant in the ecosystem that is not incentivized to get the data out to the bookmaker as fast as possible. And at the same time, a different participant that can now take advantage of that by sitting in the stadium. I think the way to solve court signing is very simple. Allow market makers, allow bookmakers to, in a way and in a manner that would never interrupt play in any way, shape or form, allow there to be competition in the real-time capturing of that data, because if you could have someone representing a market maker on an exchange sitting right next to someone that's trying to act on the information, you now have recreated that level playing field. So it's be, you know the reason court signing is such an issue is that for years c- casinos. Have looked at sports betting, and you made this great comment about blackjack, and you're totally correct. By the way, I'm a blackjack player that tries to count, and I'm a long-term loser. So you should never kick me out of a casino because I will never win. <laughs> I think I have an edge, um, and I'm one of millions probably think that. I watch the movie Twenty One and think it's it's easy. Um, but I think because casinos have treated sports betting as an extension of a casino game where it, it really isn't it's if anything it's kind of like blackjack but it it's, has even more variability and complexity that trying to treat sports betting like a casino game like a slot machine where the customer must lose you end up in this world where it's it's so different than that that you actually have people that are going to try to beat the system and one way to say is like well the courtsiders like that should be illegal it's like really, or should there just be an equal playing field whereupon people that are trying to take different sides of a market can both have access to that data equally? This is this is this is a topic to me that is not talked about enough. Um, when you go on Fandle and you will go on DraftKings and you see that the score is 1313 with two minutes left in the fourth quarter, and something doesn't look off in the price, and you engage in that price, and then 10 seconds later, the game uh, data switches on you, only to realize that you're looking at game state data that's 15 seconds delayed. How is that fair at all for the customer? How can you have a marketplace where some participants get the data faster and some participants get the data slower? So my answer to court siding is, the league should realize that engagement comes from people thinking that they have a fair shot and if people think they have a fair shot, they're going to engage more. And if they engage more, they're going to bet more. And if they bet more, they're going to watch more games. And if they watch more games, the leagues are going to make more money from advertisers. So leagues should absolutely take a progressive approach and allow Met- Bet Genius and Sport Radar and Bob's Discount Data Collection Services, LLC, inside the stadium to collect.
1: We use the best prices. <laughs> yes, come to me.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. And they've allow those created monopolies. To compete. Yeah.
2: Exactly. And so, if you have that competition. You create speed, and out of speed creates, you know, now you get down into the, you know, microsecond, nanosecond stuff that the, is dealt with in the financial markets. And there's other things you can do to make that super equitable that we are, we we have technology for, and we will ultimately uh, implement if we need to. But I don't know. I think that's just the answer to the question. Like, if someone wants to sit in the game and wants to get an edge, like if they're not in, if they're not interrupting the game in any way, shape, or form. Why shouldn't they as a participant in a free market be allowed to do that? And why shouldn't there be another person sitting maybe right next to them that says, you know what, this person's really betting against me and I got to make sure my market moves before he bets. That's just how markets work. Like It it should be encouraged because that level of competition will create such an incredible in-play experience. Imagine an in-play experience one day where every single bookmaker has zero delays, 100% uptime, and everybody gets the same limits. That can happen to me if we take a progressive view towards courtsiding. So that is my controversial take on courtsiding.
0: So, how big is your um, <clears throat> user base compared to the traditional books? And and are you how quickly are you growing in users?
2: Uh, so the answer is minuscule. <laughs> um, we are in one state. We have one product. that's just iOS. Um, we're about 70 people. We've built all wait, of our technology in-house.
0: Wait, did you just say it's only iOS? You can only do this on an iPhone?
2: Right now, it's only iOS. I actually have the, uh, our Android Android device right here. We are releasing Android uh, early next year as well. So we will have iOS and Android. Um, and then, you know, obviously, we're going to endeavor to build the web app as well. Uh, we're just in New Jersey. Um, we have a small user base, but I think what's more exciting about the size is I think we're learning on how to pitch this to users. There is such a, like a learning curve. Someone comes in and they've been inundated with sports betting ads for years, or maybe they've been betting in ads for years. And they see words like shares and price and commission. And they're like, oh my gosh. But what we found is if we can get someone over that learning curve, it becomes like a second language. Like, yep, I bought the bills uh, at 75. I bought the Texans at 32. I bought the Chiefs at 81. I bought the Bengals minus three and a half at 51. And now you, that, those games go and play and your portfolio is up 35% because you're up on the chiefs, you're down the Bengals, you're up on the bills, and you're able to buy and sell in real time. And we've seen the engagement of those customers go through the roof. I think we're still thinking about how best to pitch it to a customer so we then can scale it so that we can reach the numbers that we need to, to ultimately be a profitable, successful business. That's not any time in the near term. Um, you know, we are still in the... Uh, very, you know, in terms of relative to, to DraftKings, probably has I don't know, two or three hundred thousand customers, in uh, in in New Jersey, we're you know less than less than one percent of that.
1: Did you say seventy? Like in less than a hundred, you have seventy customers. Is that what you said?
2: Uh, seventy employees.
1: 70 employees. Hmm. Okay, good. I was thinking this is this is a shitload of work
2: for 70 customers. (laughs) You make a good point. It is a lot of work. And I think the tough thing about being in the online sports betting space is the regulations are such that you can't like in any other industry, you're like, you know, I'm gonna go try to build this thing and I'll do it with pen and paper, my friends, and I'll validate it and I'll edit and I'll you know pivot and I'll create a new thing and then I'll automate something that's super manual. And at a certain point you raise money because you have traction. In the sports betting space, like if you do that, you go to jail. Yeah, I will be in an uh, orange jumpsuit if I wanted to build a betting exchange without a license, so I can't do that. So we had to build everything from scratch. And right now, we're in a point where we do have all of this technology and all this headcount and a very few amount of customers, but that customer base is growing at a, at a you know fifty percent month over month, which we think is fantastic. Revenue is jumping at that same rate as well. Engagement is very high. And this is the team and this is the technology that's going to allow us to launch in Colorado where we have market access or Louisiana or other states. And we'll be able to show kind of the second half of that J-shaped curve where you kind of make this investment in the team and the technology and the licenses. And then you're able to find out how to acquire customers at scale. And you can do that without you know, growing your headcount exponentially.
0: You know, Betfair has tried, has tried and, and yeah, the biggest hurdle is the education part. And, um, but I mean, I agree with you that once people understand it, they go, oh my God, this is so much better than a bookmaker. Like I can't get limited. I don't get the spinning wheel when I try to make my bet. Uh, yeah, I I just, but, and so I hope you are tremendously successful because, uh, I think, well, ultimately it may put the old bookmaking style out of business.
2: It could, yeah.
1: Well, sorry, go ahead. The I never actually realized that, um, you know, if if you have a iPhone seven instead, I think the current number is fourteen, and iPhone seven is four G at best. uh, That you can't compete on a fair playing field with somebody who has a newer product. So if you're going to be betting real money on these apps, you need to have fairly new equipment and and keep upgrading. Is that a fair statement?
2: I think that'd be a fair statement. I think the sports betting is sports betting so great because it's a slow motion version of financial markets. Um, This whole concept of data asymmetry of like, oh, this participant got a data three seconds before this participant. I don't think the sports betting industry has even begun to think about how best to treat customers fairly in that regard, because bookmakers are always going to have that innate advantage and they'll create kind of really bulky, missing the forest for the trees type solutions of like, well, let's just put a five second delay in everybody. It's like, ugh, come on, I'm watching the game on Hulu two minutes behind. Um, and so I think we, we are the first to really kind of ask that question of the industry and we're doing a lot of things and pushing the envelope significantly. And you're right, uh, customers, all, every single person that's using Sport Trade is going to have a slightly different connectivity to the market. That connectivity is probably less than one or two mils. So hundredths of a second, very, very, very quick. But generally, if you're out at a bar with your friends and you're using LTE, just like when you send an iMessage, it may do so at a quarter second slower. Now, our markets, although more like the financial markets, don't move that fast. So you don't have that tremendous of a disadvantage. But if you're, you know, just like if you're betting or trading on financial markets over, you know, Wi-Fi, you're going to have a more stable connection than if you're out at the game trying to connect to the free Wi-Fi, which we always know is a total disaster.
1: So you should have your 5G hotspot with you and pay the... $80 $80 a month or whatever it is to get it. And
2: that would solve that problem. Yes, it, it would solve that problem. I think what I've realized is like, Robot has this issue. You have customers that are on mobile phones submitting orders that are on, like if I see that the price of Apple is $100.11, my eye, the, the time it's taken my eye, the, the the light to go to my eye, to then go through the neurons in my brain to realize that the price is a 100 dollars and 11 cents, the price has already moved by that time. Forget me actually now engaging more neurons to then hit the button on the pane of glass to then send the packet of information to Robin and to then send the packet of information to NASDAQ to then go back to Robin and back to my phone, that can all take two tenths or three tenths of a second. What you realize is that if you can create a marketplace that is truly fair, that everybody is competing in the exact same uh, level playing field and you have multiple market makers competing on price, that you could go like this and buy any stock, any sports bet at any time, and you're guaranteed to get a fair price because there's competition on the other end competing for your order. And that is the reality we want to create at rate, just like in the financial markets. And that's why you see these funny blog posts about, you know, cats and hamsters picking at a better rate than stock pickers, because the market is so dang efficient. It's kind of like betting into the closing line on Sunday of the NFL, we want to create that, except for not just at the closing line at 1 p.m. Eastern on you know Sundays in the fall, but at every possible microsecond of every possible out- sports outcome that you could ever bet on on SportTrade. That is our that is our goal.
0: How do your prices, for example, the NFL? How quickly do your prices discover the closing line before the the bookmakers, or do they discover it? Be- do you have enough users? that you're discovering the the proper line before the bookmakers?
2: I, I think we certainly do. I think um, the customers that come first to an exchange can tend to be those smarter customers. I'm on Unabated, which I now know is a sponsor of the show, which is amazing. They are incredible. I'm on their live screen right now and I'm looking at the price of the Eagles to beat Dallas. And yesterday at 9 a.m., they were at $49 a share. They went down to forty forty-five dollars a share at two twenty-two p.m. on twelve nineteen, um, and they went as low as thirty-seven dollars by four thirty-two p.m. They opened, uh, they closed the day at thirty-one dollars a share. Oh my gosh, the price is plummeting, and they opened up today at a price of thirty-one dollars a share. So, and do you know what you know, the
0: what the line on the game is, or what the money line is for with the bookmakers?
2: Yeah, sure. The money line for that game is American. Uh, our our price is plus two thirteen for the Eagles, minus two twenty three for the Cowboys. Um, you know, Fanduel has plus. DraftKings says plus one eighty, minus two ten. Oh, interesting. There's a little ARB right now in real time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the thing, right? Like probably by the end of the sentence, that market could go away because someone realizes that there's edge there. And it's actually not entirely clear who's wrong because DraftKings has a great price at minus 210, which is about $67 a share on sport trades terms. And Bookmaker is 240, uh, Fandle minus 225. So this could be a great example of like Sport trade and DraftKings are kind of equally wrong, and it's kind of like a coin flip. So we'll see who moves first. Sport trades plus two thirteen price on the Eagles, or DraftKings two minus two ten price on the Cowboys.
0: Yeah.
1: And for anybody who's keeping track, we're taping this on the Monday the twentieth at about noon Eastern. So uh, whenever you're listening to it, which is not going to be today, uh, these uh, probably the game will be over. Who knows. all right, um, Alex Kane. We wish you a lot of luck. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, uh, do they do it through the Sports Trade app, or is there a better way to get in touch with you?
2: Yeah, I think Bob and and Richard, thanks so much for having me. Um, the best way to get in touch is on on Twitter. I'm on Twitter a underscore Kane forty uh, seven. If you ping me or ask for a DM, we will likely end up in a conversation or maybe even a phone call. We can nerd out about market microstructure or sports betting or anything in between. <laughs>
1: All right. At the end of our show, we have a recommended section. So, Richard, do you have a recommended for our audience today?
0: Yeah, my recommendation this week is a uh, new show that I'm watching that I never thought I would like. Um, It's called George and Tammy. It's on Showtime. Uh, I have never been a country music fan, but this is about uh, George Jones and Tammy Wynette. And Jessica Chastain, who's a very good actress, is in it, plays Tammy Wynette. And uh, yeah, the show has, uh, has certainly captured me. I'm, I'm really interested in it. Unfortunately, you can't stream the whole season. It's coming out weekly, and there are only three seasons in. But um, as I say, I'm not a country music fan, but I really like the show. So you might check it out if you have access to Showtime.
1: Very good. Rather than a specific recommendation of an item, this is more of something I've been doing recently. I started not so long ago using headphones in a casino and listening to audiobooks while I play, or sometimes just wearing the headphones with nothing in there playing. I have a few music mixes, and I can create more. But right now, revisiting books on tape uh, that I read decades ago and I remember some percentage from way back when, but I often find I've forgotten parts of these book. The huge advantage is that, relatively speaking, people leave me alone more. <laughs> Fewer people ask me questions or want to chat or moan to me of how they dismiss Fort O'Royal flush draw. For me, this improves the quality of my life. Now, if somebody really wants to say something to me, like when I have to interact with a casino employee or something... It's relatively easy to turn off the headphones, but it really cuts down on the small talk and lets me concentrate on what I'm there for, which is to hit royal flushes. Alex Kane, do you have a recommended for
2: our audience? I do, and I just switched at the last possible second because I realized it didn't have you don't it doesn't have to exactly do with uh, gambling. Uh, there is a movie out there called Blink of an Eye. Um, And it is dubbed the greatest sports story never told, greatest sports story never told. And it's a story about the 2001 Daytona 500, which is, of course, the the race where Dale Earnhardt died on the final lap. And it's this incredible story, the relationship that Dale Earnhardt had with a driver named Michael Waltrip, who actually won the Daytona, uh, 2001 Daytona 500, and, and also his relationship with Dale Jr., And everything that happened after Dale's death. And I'm telling you something, a a movie that I watched that made me a NASCAR fan, the Daytona 500 is coming up in in early February, as we know. This is an incredible, like, if you're listening and you're thinking, I don't want to, I don't care about NASCAR, watch this movie. It is one of the greatest sports documentaries I've ever seen.
0: And where, where is, is it on Netflix or where is it, or
2: this is a this is a great question I think it's on YouTube like you can uh, you can purchase it on YouTube for like two dollars or or whatever
0: yeah
1: very good yeah. Thank you Alex Kane we wish you success in the sports trade endeavor Thank you Richard go out and hit lots of royal flushes everybody good day